the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. One small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Alright, looks beautiful from here now. It has a stark beauty all its own. It's uh, like m- much of the high desert of uh, the United States. It's uh, different, but it's very pretty out here. Amazing, right? Amazing. America did that. On this date, 1969, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. And we celebrate that. We should celebrate that. 20 minutes later, after Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, Buzz Aldrin joined him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hello, friends. Welcome to Pure Opelka. I know. It's an unusual opening to the show today. There's so much going on, but I, I'm just so proud of what this country is able to do, and I want to never forget it. And that's why we look back. 1969, it was... It was the strangest summer, I think. And but for that moment, a lot of political fortunes might have changed. America was a very different place, but we still believed we could do unbelievable things. Things nobody had dreamed of before. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about, well, we'll talk about the news, but we're going to talk about what that moment meant. And uh, I was around. I was 12 years old. I had, I had uh, just turned 12 and was watching that, that moment on TV. I don't think too many people were watching. <laughs> 600 million people around the world tuned in. 600 million people tuned in to watch two Americans walk on the surface of the moon it it's a it's mind-blowing when you think about it because because we don't go there anymore or we haven't gone there in a while right and and we we went there because of the courage of a president who as i've said in the past would more likely be considered a republican than a democrat in today's world john f kennedy and it was Kennedy on, on uh, May 25th of 1961 speaking to both houses, the joint session of Congress, that the president was asking for more money. He wanted us to take a, a bold approach to the space race that the, the Russians were kicking our butts in. The Russians were way ahead of us. They were ahead of us with Sputnik. They were ahead of us going into orbit with Yuri Gagarin. They were ahead of us with, uh, what was her name, uh, Tereshenko? I have to go back and make sure I got that right. Ludmila Tereshenko, the, the first woman in space. We were, we were years behind them on that one. But in, in May 25th of 1961, 
Kennedy went to Congress and asked for more money to do something pretty bold in the space program. I therefore ask the Congress, above and beyond the increases I have earlier requested for space activities, to provide the funds which are needed to meet the following national goals. First, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space, and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. Amazing, right? 1961. Kennedy did what many presidents did after that. He went on a, on a campaign-like trail around the country to keep pushing this agenda because it was a considerable amount of money that we as a nation had to uh, expend to try and keep space exploration on track, to try and fulfill his promise. One of my favorite moments was when the president was in Texas. And he, um, this was September 12th, over a year later, continuing to challenge America to this, what, what you might call at the time an unbelievable idea, an impossible task. Are you kidding me? We're, we're just circling the planet with our spacecraft. We're orbiting the planet. We're going to go to the moon and back? This is how Kennedy explained it. And he added the reason why. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. Amazing, right? The way to rally a nation to find the best among us and the best inside all of us. I remember, I don't remember that speech. I remember hearing that speech a million times through the years in school and in history classes. But I do remember a hot July night sitting in our uh, family room on the north side of Chicago, watching as uh, Neil Armstrong bounded down the steps. Can you imagine what his heart rate was like? Just pounding. He's going to be on the moon. And I'm sitting there with my grandfather. And he was slack-jawed. He just said, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I said, what, what do you mean you can't believe it? We're watching it. We're watching it happen right in front of our eyes. He said, we had horses 
for transportation growing up. And I remember when cars started coming down the streets regularly, and I thought, that's the greatest thing ever. So he went from watching horses to watching cars to watching airplanes transport people to now an American was on the moon. And a few days later, those, those Americans would come back. And one of the most amazing things that happened that I still couldn't believe after watching these Americans land on the moon, think about it. Glenn Beck mentioned it earlier. These guys got to the moon with computers that aren't as powerful as your iPhone. And if you saw the movie Hidden Figures, you knew what the space program was working on. That, that is an accurate depiction of, of the technology that was <laughs> available. It was pretty much the crudest thing we've got. You would, you would be screaming if you had the technology that they had in the 60s, trying to get men into space and back home again. And yet we did it. President Nixon watched the, the moon landing along with uh, me and my grandfather and 600 million other people around the world. And the next day, he followed up with a phone call to the astronauts, which again, blows my mind that in 1969, <laughs> the president of the United States from the Oval Office, or as he called it, the Oval Room, was able to call the astronauts live. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made from the White House. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you have done. For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure that they too join with Americans in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this earth are truly one. One in their pride in what you have done. And one in our prayers that you will return safely to earth. Thank you, Mr. President. It's a great honor and privilege for us to be here representing not only the United States, but and of peace of all nations, and with interest and a curiosity, and, and with a vision for the future. The honor for us to be able to participate here today. And thank you very much, and I look forward, all of us look forward to seeing you on the Hornet on Thursday. And Nixon hung up, and the, the delay is from the time it took to get the signal from Earth <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> kind of an amazing thing. The sound travels quickly, and but that was 240,000 miles away. I used host privilege 
today to start the show because I think we're facing, uh, as President Obama said when he charged Joe Biden to take over the cancer moonshot, and I'm not giving up on that, we're facing the same kind of daunting task, a place that nobody has ever really gone before. We haven't, we haven't really gotten to landing on cancer and, and doing what we did with the moon, bringing people back alive. We've made strides, but we haven't fixed it completely. The moon landing was a, a, an amazing moment in American history, as, as Nixon said, a, a moment for the world. And they landed in the sea of tranquility. And so maybe this is cancer is the next moonshot. Maybe it really is. And maybe it's something that can unite the world. Can you imagine? John McCain's announcement yesterday certainly puts all that into focus, doesn't it? There's more on that topic. There's more on, on news out of D.C. And yeah, we'll keep up on the O.J. parole hearing, too. But I wanted to take a moment and just kind of wrap the whole idea of the moon landing and what it took for JFK to make that announcement in May of 61 and then to keep the pressure on and to keep the, the cheerleading going throughout 62. And then he unfortunately wasn't around to see it, to see Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin bouncing around on the surface of the moon. But he certainly should be given credit for planting the seed that inspired America to that greatness. And all of the things we received from the moon, I don't think we'll ever fully understand from the space program, the benefits that, that, that we got in many different areas of our life. I'm a fan of space and the space program. I, I hope to live long enough to hear that same kind of message come from Mars. And thanks to people like Elon Musk, we might be, we might be making that happen sooner than than later just a wild thought michael pelka on puro pelka on the blaze radio network coming up uh, just around the corner uh we should be talking with mike lee senator mike lee uh, is uh, expected to give us a a ring and talk to us about freedom fest and what he's looking at and uh we'll hope to get uh, an update on john mccain even though there are some some uh, stories popping online and a message from John McCain. He's tweeting again. We'll get to all that just around the corner on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Um, yeah, I, I did jump on the history early. And if you if you have a comment, if you have a thought, if you remember where you were when we landed on the moon and we watched Neil Armstrong, then followed by Buzz Aldrin, you're welcome to share it. 888 Three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Mike Lee around the corner. We're going to talk to Mike about what he's 
planning on doing at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. Uh, I'll be joining them tonight, and we will be live from Las Vegas tomorrow. And Saturday morning, I will be on the air at 6 a.m. East Coast time to 9 a.m., which means I'll be on the air at 3 a.m. Las Vegas time, God willing. I hope. (laughs) Could be a little dicey. Uh, John McCain and the announcement of John McCain's uh, brain cancer. You know, it's, it's a shock. But it's done one terrific thing that I, I believe is, is so important right now. And it, it does appear to be giving everybody, left and right, a little bit of a reality check. When I can turn on MSNBC and hear Rachel Maddow and many of the other opinion hosts on MSNBC talking about John McCain's record and John McCain is a hero and John McCain is a, a great American. It, it, makes me, it makes me smile because we get it. We get it. You strip away everything, all of the stuff we have, all of the D's and the R's and everything else and the differences of opinion we have and the things that we are righteous about and so strident about, strip away all of that, and we're all the same. We all have the same fear, the same concern, the same worry. And to everybody, I I did something, I did something I always do, and some of my Blaze colleagues tell me, don't do that. Don't read the comments. Well, I do read the comments. I read the comments in my story. I read the comments in, in other stories. And the comments after John McCain were so awful. If if you're writing angry comments about an 80-year-old man who was a hero in the war, who could have gotten released five and a half years ahead of the time he was finally released, but he chose to stay with his men. A guy who went in his 23rd mission over North Vietnam as a pilot, a fighter pilot, in his 23rd mission, he was shot down. And when he ejected himself from his jet, both his arms and one of his legs was broken. He landed in the, a lake in Hanoi and he was captured and tortured for years. He spent two years in solitary confinement. He wanted and tried to kill himself and they stopped him so they could keep him alive to torture him some more. He came home and served his country in public service. Now, do I agree with everything John McCain has done? No. But my God, he gave things to this nation. So if your first reaction to the news of John McCain's cancer was anything other than sending prayers or well wishes to the senator, it is you who needs help. It is you who should seek treatment. God bless you, John McCain. I hope this fight is another one you can win. God bless you. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I've got great news. I was expecting to uh, maybe get him a little later in the hour, but Senator Mike Lee is available and joining us right now. Senator from Utah and the guy Stu Breguer wants to clone at least 100 times. Welcome, Senator. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. I, I don't know if you've heard about Stu's plan to try and make 100 clones of you, but it's a little disturbing. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure it's legal, and um, uh, I think there are a number of people who would be very frightened by that, but it's an interesting concept. I think that's his point. His idea is to frighten some people away from doing dumb things, but uh, I, I, wouldn't be, I would be helping him hide these illegal activities, I'm just saying, but we'll deal with that another day. Uh, Senator Lee is, uh, is headed to Las Vegas as one of the featured speakers at an event that I'll be attending later today and for the weekend called Freedom Fest. And, and Senator, I have to ask you, did you ever anticipate being on the same bill as William Shatner, Steve Forbes, and John Stossel? It's, it's a very interesting group. Hey, uh, no one should ever rule out anything because interesting alliances can happen from time to time when one believes in freedom. Yeah, I, I like this. Are, are you going to give us, can you give us a preview of, of what you're going to be uh, sharing with the Freedom Fest audience? I'm going to be talking about a, a variety of subjects, but uh, overall, uh, my message will be consistent with what it normally is, uh, that the American people have benefited to a significant degree as they have respected the limitations placed on government by the Constitution. Uh, the, the, the vertical limitation we call federalism, but the horizontal limitation we call separation of powers. These are some of the themes that I discuss in my new book called Written Out of History, in which I tell the stories of eight of our forgotten founders, eight founders whose stories have been forgotten or uh, neglected or lost or written out of history, as I explain it. Uh, as I explain in that book, when we understand their stories, we can better understand and appreciate limitations on government, including things like the Fourth Amendment, federalism, and separation of powers. Well, as a guy who uh, thinks we ought to hand out constitutions as an operating manual to everybody who gets a job in D.C., I'm, I'm real happy to hear that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know about the uh, forgotten founders, but I love stories like this. Uh, it's only out since May, so it's only been out, I guess, a month now. Yeah, it came out May 30th, uh, written out of history. You can find it at uh, Amazon or MikeLeadBook.com, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, but okay. uh, it, it's a great book. It was a New York Times bestseller, and uh, I, I think your audience would enjoy it. Well, I hope so. I, th I think they will. Now, in, can can we talk a little bit about D.C. while I got you here for a couple I'm more sure, minutes? Of course, of course. Uh, yesterday's luncheon with the president and, and his... Um, suggestion that nobody go away until a health care bill gets put together or progress happens on health care. I know there was a working group working last night. Is there any progress to report? Uh, look, we, we had some off-the-record conversations between members last night. I'm not at liberty to say uh, what anyone else said because that's, uh, uh, that's going to be up to them. I'll tell you what I've been advocating for. 
uh, not just in the last 24 hours, but for uh, uh, for many months, been talking about the fact that we do need to repeal Obamacare. Uh, if we can't repeal all of it, we need to repeal what we can of it, and we need to repeal it in a way that brings about real meaningful reform in the marketplace, such that hardworking American families in the middle class can get a break on these uh, really high health insurance premiums they've been paying, premiums that have been made artificially high by the government's interference in the free market economy. And that's the sort of relief we need to supply. That can be supplied by, among other things, the the, the full-strength version of the Consumer Freedom Amendment. You know, Senator, you're not going to find a bigger supporter of the free market than I. Um, you're, you're not going to find anyone who who would screaming, cheerleading you guys to get rid of it, repeal it, and then eventually replace it. But the CNN poll they just just sent out says 35 percent of Americans say don't do anything, leave it alone. Thirty four percent say repeal and replace and 18 percent support a repeal and eventually replace those numbers uh, kind of put the the American public in a frozen state, too. And uh, how do we get the opinion back and how do we get people to realize your premiums are skyrocketing, your coverage is dropping and it's not doing what it was supposed to do? There, there seems like there's a feeling that they're afraid to lose anything the government has given them, even if it stinks on ice. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we need to continue to reiterate Rights are things the government can't do to you. They're not things the government must provide for you. And when we try to pretend otherwise, bad things happen. It always ends in tears. And so even though there may be some people who have been fooled into thinking that more government action or perpetuated existing government action will help them, uh, experience has, in fact, taught us the opposite. I also think it's important for the Republican Party to continue to stand by what basically every Republican who has campaigned for federal office in the last seven years has promised, which is to repeal Obamacare. Well, after the president made the point yesterday at the lunch and, you know, saying and, you know, he he called out Heller right there in front of God and everybody. uh, Do you do you think there's there's a snowball's chance in hell this this vote happens next week on whether or not we're going to move forward on repeal? Sure, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't rule out anything at this point. The, this is a, a rapidly moving environment, and it's uh, the one in which things could change in such a way as to to bring about um, uh, enough support for it to pass. What I know is that I've announced what I expect out of this. Uh, that expectation hasn't yet been met, but I, I'm still trying to get there, I, and I'm still going to continue to encourage my colleagues uh, to support repeal in whatever form we can achieve it. Well, I, I will stand by repeal. I'll stand by repeal and replace. I just know the end game of Obamacare is not good for any of us, even even those of us in the best situation. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Senator. And what's the latest on John McCain? I know you're probably not on the telephone tree on the McCain uh, BFFs, but have you heard any any updates on his condition aside from his tweet? Um, no, no, not since then. And I, I was with uh, about 20 of my colleagues last night when the news broke. We were all saddened. Uh, there were some tears shed. And we broke right there and offered a prayer. Uh, 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 Senator James Langford from Oklahoma, who was a, a minister, uh, said the prayer for us. And uh, our thoughts and our prayers continue to go out to John Cindy McCain and their family.
Yeah, the it, not to not to tie politics and his health together, but does McCain's absence slow things down as well on the on the plans or hopes to repeal and or replace Obamacare? I, but I, I just don't know. I, I don't know uh, whether his condition is such that he'll be able to travel uh, sometime in the near future. It, it has the potential to impact it, but I don't know that it necessarily will. Well, in, in my opinion, I'd love for you guys all to be able to spend more time at home and less time in D.C. and still be able to vote remotely. But uh, I'm a dreamer. I dream of things like this. So. Hey, that's, that's a brilliant idea. And there, there are a number of people who would support you in that. I'll, chief among them, my wife, she would love that. <laughs> well, good. Good. Um, so I, I, I don't know when uh, you're going to be in Las Vegas. I'll be there tonight. I hope to see if you're around, come by Radio Row, or I'll try and find you when you're speaking. But I certainly appreciate you uh, sharing some time with us and talking about Freedom Fest and fighting for the Constitution constantly. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you very much. It's good to talk to you. T- take care. Mike Lee, senator from Utah, and one of the guys that... Uh, Gosh, I wish there were more people who thought like him. They are calmer voices, quieter voices, people who don't seem to be rushing to the camera at every turn. Uh, It's all about actually doing their job. And his latest book, Senator Mike Lee, written out of history, The Forgotten Founders Who Fought Big Government. Who knew? Aaron Burr, Mercy Otis Warren. There's a a bunch in there, but... uh, You can find it everywhere online. Mike Lee, written out of history. Thank you, Senator Lee. And we will be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Before we dive into it, um, I I have a a question for you. Have you bought life insurance? Uh, I was looking for life insurance and I was astounded by how how little common sense was involved in how life insurance was priced. And then almost as if out of nowhere, came this new sponsor, HealthIQ.com. HealthIQ.com slash Blaze is a place where you can go and get a great quote on life insurance from a major carrier. But here's the, here's the kicker. It's, it's based on your health consciousness and your health knowledge. And if you go to HealthIQ.com slash Blaze, and take their little online test. It's a bunch of questions that uh, talks about your health IQ. And we get to see how much you know, and you get a score. And then they put you into a conversation with one of their people if you want to go further. You don't have to do it right then. It can happen later. And you talk about how you live your life. And they will get you a quote based on your health IQ. Brilliant idea. It used to be just your gender and your age, and now it's all about, it could be everything from what's your mile time, how fast can you run a mile, to how well do you eat, do you avoid cigarettes, etc. So, good deal, no. Great deal. 
Yes. I, I, I was quoted a deal from a major carrier that once it finally comes through, I'm going to happily leap upon it. So get the free quote for yourself, healthiq.com slash blaze, healthiq.com slash blaze. Find out, protect your family, and do it for a smart price with a big company, healthiq.com slash blaze. Check it out. All right, now, trying to keep an eye on everything that's going on, the parole board in uh, Nevada, Carson City, Nevada, is getting ready to here from O.J. Simpson after the top of the hour. Here's the thing. I was, I was monitoring this case. And again, if, if you or I were coming up for parole in the same situation as O.J. Simpson, I'm guessing it's a no-brainer. If we were model, model uh, inmates, didn't cause any problems, we'd served almost nine years, you're up for parole, I think they'd want to say, you've been good, get out. But since it's O.J. Simpson... And we all know, or at least we believe, he did kill his, his former wife, Nicole, and Ronald Goldman. I think most of us kind of agree on that, right? My father still thinks it was his, or did think it was O.J.'s son, and O.J. Took the, took the fall. I'm sorry, Dad, I know you're in heaven, but I don't believe that. So we'll see that. But I posted a vital question on this very topic. Where do you stand on the uh, O.J. Simpson parole, which a lot of us are talking about, apparently, because it is the uh, top trending topic on Twitter as we speak. Currently, the uh, vital question of the day, 49% of you believe O.J. will be paroled. I think he, he, he would be paroled if he weren't O.J. Simpson. But I think there's still a, a chance that he could get told no. 34% of you say, no, he should not be paroled. He will not be paroled. And 17% of you, a very healthy number of you are going, I really don't know. I got no idea here. But I, I'd like to know what you think. And you can, you can answer on the Twitter as the poll is currently up. There's one hour left. It should, it should basically wrap up as the uh, parole hearing's wrapping up. Here's the weird thing. Uh, the parole board... The prisons in Nevada are so crowded, the parole board meets every single day. Talk about a job of, with job security. Every single day they meet. So uh, this is a busy, a busy gig. Now, um, O.J. Simpson is not going to be in front of the parole board live. He is going to be basically Skyping it in. It's going to be a video link that'll tie him into the uh, the parole hearing. So they need a unanimous decision, apparently, from the four people on the parole board. There are two men and two women. And then um, if they if they need to vote, they have monitors as well. But the four people will decide whether or not O.J. Simpson gets out of prison and gets a lucrative TV contract this fall because, you know, there will be a reality series. And if he's out, if he, gets, if he gets paroled, you know where he's going. He will be going to Florida. No, not to search for the killer. Ha ha. But he's going to Florida because his assets, any of them that he will earn, will be protected. 
and the $33 million that he still owes to the family of Ronald Goldman will be protected. Nobody will be able to get any of any of whatever money he is making or has made because that's a, uh, a state that will not allow you to come after someone's assets like that. So O.J. Simpson about to face off with the parole board. We'll keep you posted on that. And there's some... There's some other stuff going on in D.C. that we have to share with you. We'll get into, uh, let's see, health care. And why is Corey Lewandowski obsessed with Melania Trump's looks? Come on back. We'll find out. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.